Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. Email feedback to Aaron at paleorunner.org. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you sustained energy throughout your workout. It gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates. To get 10% off, use the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening on the podcast app for iPhone or iPad, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Scott Murr. He's co-author of the book, Run Less, Run Faster, Become a Faster, Stronger Runner with a Revolutionary Three-Day-A-Week Training. Scott, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, It's great to be here. So tell me a little bit about how you got started with this approach of running less to run faster. I was a runner in high school, and uh, I ran for fitness in college, and I was just a normal active guy. Mm-hmm. in my t- early 20s and uh my senior year in college uh one of my professors challenged me to do a triathlon mm-hmm. and um I hadn't done much training for that but uh took him up on the challenge and did a triathlon and so in the early 80s when I was in college I was I was a runner I had done 5k's and 10k's and even a couple marathons and then in the mid 80s um as the sport of triathlon was growing. I uh, kind of shifted my emphasis to that. Mm-hmm. I also had a training buddy who was uh, 10 years older than me. Uh, same sort of thing, had, had been a runner and kind of found some appeal in multi-sport. And so, uh, although we were relatively young at the time, uh, 25 and 35, uh, we just found out that with the demands of the training of triathlon with the swimming and the cycling and the running, uh, you just simply couldn't run as five days or six days a week like you could when you were a single sport athlete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we figured our, our 10K times would drop a little bit. But surprisingly, they didn't. And so uh, we continued to do triathlons, but also continued to be awfully competitive um, in the local road races. Well, we started wondering whether um, this was just unique to us or this might be something that could be uh, applicable to others. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, uh, I go to graduate school and get my master's and my doctorate in exercise science. So I've got this background in exercise physiology and I'm doing this endurance type training and um, actually then got a job here at Furman University. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really wonderful in the fact that we had um, the opportunity to pursue our professional interest uh, with our personal interest. And so we decided, well, let's just see if our idea, uh, this running less, uh, how that affects other people. Mm-hmm. So we did a little study with 24 runners and we took runners and brought them in and said, okay, we want you to uh, cut back your running a little bit. We want you to train this specific way by making sure the running that you are currently doing now will be a little bit more specific, a little bit higher quality. And on the other days, you can exercise 
do other exercise. And so these runners uh, shifted their training a little bit, and we saw improvements in some physiological component of their fitness. So whether that was their VO2 max, their lactate threshold, uh, or their running economy. And mm-hmm. then we actually had these folks do a marathon. And they all improved from their previous marathons. And so we discovered that by not just going out and running five or six days a week, and, and oftentimes when you talk to a runner, uh, tell me about your running, and they'll say, well, I run 40 miles a week or whatever it might be. Right. And most runners uh, don't really have a real focused plan or a focused pace. And so through our experience that we were able to then follow up with, with a little um, a little study, we discovered that, uh, yeah, there is a way that you can keep your quality high but drop your volume a little bit and not lose any competitive edge in the local in the local racing scene. So that's a really interesting concept. Now, I talked with uh, your friend or co-author Bill Pierce not long ago, and he said that he actually improved his 10K time after he started dropping back on some of his mileage. What was your initial experience with as you started training for triathlons, as you said, and, and you started cutting back on your mileage but adding other exercises? Well, I, I too, um, got a little faster as well. And I, I think there are some ways to explain that. Uh, over the years, as we've gotten a little older, um, Bill has shifted kind of back primarily to running. Um, I, I continue to do the multi-sport thing. Um, and I think two of the reasons why some of the cross-training, the aerobic cross-training can contribute to faster running is, one, um, the cycling uh, can, one, help condition your legs to a faster turnover rate, a higher cadence. And to run faster, to run faster, there's really two things, one of two things you you can do. You can either increase your stride length or you can increase your stride frequency. Mm-hmm. And for most people, increasing their stride length can have them overstriding, uh, which then becomes a braking action. Mm-hmm. But then the other way would be to increase your stride turnover. And I think cycling can actually help help do that. Okay. Now, how do we know that a lot of the gains that come from this program, could, they, could it just be that you're giving athletes a more focused approach? Or is it the addition of the cross training that you really think made the difference? No, that, that, that's, a, that's a great uh, thought and, and something that we've certainly pondered ourselves. And uh, what would be really an ideal study would be to take a group of runners, split them up, have one group of runners do these three focused runs per week, and let them run on the other days as well. Mm. And let the second group do the three focused runs and then let them do the cross training as well to see if there really is a difference. Now, we've actually, we actually did three studies uh, along the same lines. And the first study, we actually told these runners, if you want to run on, on the other days, the non-focused run days, you can. Mm. We simply don't want you to run to the point where it has a tiring or a detrimental effect on your pace for those focus days. 
Well, most of the runners, of course, being runners, wanted to keep up their running routine. So they tried to do that. But they found after a couple of weeks, they sim- simply couldn't do that. If they even did an easy run on Monday, their legs were a little fatigued, which made it more difficult to run the target paces on Tuesday. Okay. Okay. So what do you think is what do you think is happening there i mean the the biggest benefit is is it basically this more focused approach where you're giving uh target paces for each workout can you tell me a little bit more about those specific workouts yeah I, I, again those those three physiological factors uh vo2 max lactate threshold and running economy are all factors that influence how well you perform whether it's a 5k or a 10k or a marathon and so uh, the three key runs that that we suggest that runners do, and pretty pretty common amongst a lot of training plans actually, includes a track workout day. So you're doing shorter repeats, 400 meters, 800 meters, 1,000, 1,200 meters. So you're running for you know 80 seconds to six minutes maybe. Mm. And so those are short, high intensity, and those can really help with running form can help with your VO2 max. The second key run is a lactate threshold, a lactate tolerance. We, we, we tend to call it a tempo run. And most runners really uh, either don't run hard enough or run too hard. And so a tempo run really does need to be at a pretty defined area of intensity. And so we have defined that intensity based off their current running fitness and say you go out and run five miles for your tempo run today it needs to be at this pace okay and then finally the long run uh, and of course it's all relative depending on what your goal race is um, is uh, a long run that's of course a little bit more relaxed in pace but also longer in distance to help with uh, musculature blood volume as well as a little um, aerobic utilization, fat burning as well. Okay, okay. And then on those on those other days, on your off days, on the when you're cross training, um, can you pick the cross training you want to do, or does that have to be at a specific <clears throat> effort as well? You know, that, that's um, Aaron. That's a, that's another great question. We we've had an awful lot of runners who um, will come and talk to us and tell us that. Um, they have embraced this approach and and do the cross training. Mm -hmm. However, when we bring them into our facility and have them do a workout, most of them simply will sit on a rowing machine um, and go through the motions for 20 minutes or sit on a bike and go through the motions. And we actually try to show them that you can do a really high intense workout, whether it's rowing, whether it's cycling, whether it's swimming, um, and again, boost your aerobic fitness. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's very difficult to define those paces or those efforts because the, the bike that you might have in your garage or your local fitness center versus the one I have may be very different. So consequently, what we are somewhat limited in having to make those recommendations um, you know, perceived effort sort of way. So, for example, uh, we may say, 
All right, Aaron. Uh, go to your local fitness center. Go to the bike in your garage and do 10 minutes easy for a nice, easy warm-up. Uh, go 15 minutes hard. Go five minutes easy for a recovery from that. Go 15 minutes hard again, and then go five minutes for a cool-down. So there's mm-hmm. a 50-minute uh, bike workout with two upbeat 15-minute tempo-type efforts. Now, again, it's really difficult to define specifically what speed or pace you're going at because the piece of equipment you're on it may be different than your training buddy down the street. Right, right. Okay, and how important is it to, well, it sounds like you're going pretty hard on your cross-training days, but you're still allowing your body to recover. Um, yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I still try to do this stuff myself. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Tuesday uh, was, a, was a track workout day. And um, I did 12 400s. Okay. So, you know, I'm out going kind of hard. Yesterday, I did a rowing exercise in our, in a, in our fitness center. And I rowed 5,000 meters for time, as fast as I could. Okay. Well, that was 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was just busting it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, of course, I did a little warm-up, did a little cool-down, but it was a 20-minute go-hard effort. And then today, my workout was um, my warm-up, my cool-down, and I did a five-mile tempo run. Okay. So I went hard yesterday aerobically, but that did not really, you know, of course, as long as I'm getting good nutrition and getting adequate sleep, uh, I'm still able to go hard today as well. Okay, great. So... I, I'm curious, what, what was your 10K time or some of your times before doing this approach? And then afterwards, what, what were you able to take your times down to after adopting a more minimal approach to training, I guess? Um, that's a good question. And boy, you're, you're, you're stretching my memory recall. Mm. Um, back in the mid-80s, um, I was doing 10Ks in 37 minutes, 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1992, I think I ran my PR of, uh, 33.22. Wow. Wow. That's great. So, and, and so I was, you know, in, in, in the mid eighties, mid to late eighties. So I'm in my late twenties and in 92, I guess I was 30, 31 or something, 32. So I'm a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it could be a maturation sort of thing, which you typically see because, Running economy is one of those factors which really does take some time to develop. Right. Have you seen so, similar improvements with the people you've worked with? Yeah. So because we have, um, we did our three studies with marathons, mm-hmm. uh, no, we saw some significant improvements. Um, it would be neat to do those studies again with a half marathon or 10K. Mm-hmm. Now, half marathons are relatively popular. 10Ks, you can hardly find those anymore. Right. Uh, but it would be neat to replicate our study but switch because there's so many factors that influence marathon performance. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned uh, efficiency in running. Um, one of the things that a lot of runners do is strength training to try to improve their efficiency. Do you see that as an important part of cross-training? Oh, I think with, without a doubt that... Uh, strength training, flexibility work, 
are, are terribly important and unfortunately neglected by too many people. Mm. I mean, runners want to run. And to right. try to get a runner to um, endorse the idea of strength training is, is a real challenge. Now, typically and unfortunately, uh, as, as we all get older, uh, we start feeling aches and pains. And so we've been a little su- successful convincing runners that strength training can serve as preventive prehab rather than rehab. And oftentimes, uh, you know, if you're injured and you can't do the activity you want to do, you get pretty frustrated. Right. And, and so it's an easy sell for any any runner that's, that's previously had an injury. Mm-hmm. And so many of them have, actually. Right, exactly. That's that's one of the big things in running is just if you can stay injury-free at least, you can sometimes make s- small gains if you can keep training. Yeah, consist- consistency can carry a, a, a really far way. One thing I like to throw out um, is swimming. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of runners who will come and visit us, and we always want to try to introduce them to some of the benefits of aquatic exercise. Okay. And, you know, occasionally we'll even run across a runner who uh, can't, can't swim. But we will still want to get them in the water. Now, swimming, of course, is very technique-driven, uh, and a lot, of, a lot of folks don't have good technique. So oftentimes what we'll do is we'll just have them get in the pool, get a kickboard, and do nothing but kick. Okay. okay. And that really tends to enhance their hip and ankle flexibility. Okay. And, and that can really help a runner with their technique as well as their stride lengths. Again, you don't want to overstride, but by having more flexible ankles, uh, you can actually increase your stride a little bit without ending up with that braking action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Swimming's a tough sell, but I really think there are some amazing benefits that can be had by getting in the pool once a week. Yeah, and and as you indicated, it's really consistency. So if you could get in the pool once a week, that could have huge benefits to your running three months from now. Right, right. And with with the program of running three days, three quality days a week, do you ever find that three quality days is too much for someone? Does do you ever have to? Uh, tailor the program to maybe two days a week or is that is that too little you know we we've worked with runners from gosh age in the early 20s to runners in their 70s uh-huh. and i don't know that we've stumbled upon anybody yet uh who couldn't handle the three days a week the, the bigger issue that we have is getting runners who are relatively new to this concept and they tend to go out and do too much too soon okay. with the track workouts. And the last thing anybody wants is an injury, but sometimes, and because the paces that we like to recommend for runners are upbeat, but they are not maximal effort. Mm-hmm. And so, but a lot of runners get a little overeager sometimes and will actually do the workouts a little bit too fast. And we have to remind them, these are hard workouts, but these are not races. Mm. So don't go out and overdo it. And so easing folks into uh, this particular training approach is is the bigger challenge rather than getting someone to reduce going from three days a week to two. 
Yeah. And is this an approach that you can follow year round or do you need to do uh, specific blocks of time leading up to a race? You know, that's, that's a good question. We get, we get that one uh, a, a lot. And so I'll tell you how I answer that and I'll tell you how I do that, for example. Okay. Um, so I'm going to do a marathon in April mm-hmm. and I don't have anything else on my calendar. And so in April, I'll, I'll do this marathon. Uh, in May, once I'll, I'll use May to uh, recover a little bit. Um, and so I'll probably do a lot more cycling and swimming in May. Um, and then once June rolls around, I will resume my normal three days a week running. However, I probably won't be quite so specific about the paces that I run. Okay. And so I will kind of be a little bit more relaxed. I'll still go out and and have some quality workouts, but I'm not going to pay attention to my watch quite so much. Mm -hmm. And I may use, you know, June and July as just months of exercise where I'm still maintaining a good fitness level, but I'm not really overstressing myself or really on the edge. Okay. And then, of course, I may then find an event in November or December or something. And so then when I want to pick back up with a more focused training program in um, August, my body's ready. And I'm not mentally burnt out by having every single workout focused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, so as far as far as um, any final tips that you could give to some of our listeners who are interested in trying this approach, um, is is there anything that you could throw out there for starting out with this uh, sort of uh, new plan that that you and Bill propose? I, I think that I think the biggest thing to try to convince people of is it's not a train less program. I think a lot of runners enjoy running and want to run and I do too, but more than even running, I like to exercise. Mm -hmm. And so I still exercise just about every day, but what I do each day is very, very different. And so while my running mileage has really dropped from what some of my age group buddies do, I would imagine that my exercise time is very similar to theirs. Mm-hmm. And I would also imagine that actually, if you could somehow quantify intensity, that the quality of my weekly workout time is probably higher than some of the, my buddies in town who are my age, but spend all their exercise time strictly running. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look at it as I'm, I'm more well-balanced uh, in, a, in a fitness sense. Um, I'm probably not quite on the edge of injury that some of the strictly runners are, um, and maybe (laughs) mentally, Mm. mentally a little bit more fresh too, because I'm not doing the same thing every single day. Right. So I would encourage, uh, folks who like to run to think about diversifying, uh, their training approach. And like Bill and I discovered, it actually enhanced our running performance. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's been great having you on the show, and I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk about some of these training techniques with our audience. Well, no, uh, uh, Aaron, I enjoy your website and have enjoyed uh, listening to some of uh, 
your, your other uh, guest. And so uh, appreciate the opportunity. If you like podcasts, you're also going to like audible.com. There's over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. Go to paleorunner.org and click Audible at the top of the page to get your free audiobook download. If you're listening to this on the podcast app for iPhone or iPad, click the link displayed on the app right now. 